0: What is up, everybody? This is Double G for Fight Game Media and Fight Game Media Network. What we have for you in our free podcast feed today is what we are calling the Super Cut. Jeremy Finestone of Speaking of Strong Style had the idea to put together uh, clips of all of our shows. And just to give the free feed listener a taste of, of what is on the patreon we in the past we've put full episodes and we will do another full episode in this feed this week as well so you will hear scott Edwards's a five star joshi show uh later this week but in this super cut i will have a i have a list of the shows here uh, uh, of the segments first one you're going to hear is The Wrap with Keela and Scott uh, talking about Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, the cage match that they had at Payback. On In the Clinch, you'll hear Ryan Frederick and Paul Fontaine talk about the retirement of the Korean Zombie. On The Boom with James McDaniel and Kevin Ely, they'll talk about CM Punk's legacy in AEW. On The Dynamite Show with Paul Fontaine and Jeff Hawkins, they'll talk about locker room politics in AEW, on Power Bombshells with Mel and Sam. Uh, Sam talks about her media call question with Tony Khan, and, and the overall discussion of women in AEW and uh, Russell Dream. And a five-star Joshi show. The aforementioned Scott E. Wrestling. He there's a there's a five-star Grand Prix discussion. And speaking of Strong Style, with Steve and Conway and Jeremy Feinstone, Scott Edwards is also on that show. They talk Will Ospreay and mercedes Monet, and if they will ever end up in AEW. And if so, what happens uh, to New Japan? And then my show, The Double G Show, I had Jeff and Scott on. We did a bonus show. We talked a little bit about Tony Khan, the leadership, uh, and, and all that stuff. So this is a super cut. You'll hear... A segment from every single regular show on our Patreon feed. Uh, If you do enjoy what you're hearing, patreon.com front slash fight game media, you, uh, you can, you can subscribe to either the five or the $10 tier in the $10 tier. We're going to start getting ready to do our sort of happy hour hangout. Um, we have a special Patreon room for all the ten dollar tier folks. We're gonna get it. Gonna get a, a, a hangout with folks from the podcast network and from the subscribers and uh, the also for the ten dollar tier. We get all of the video that we have. We don't do every show on video. Some of the, those videos are also on YouTube, but we have specific videos for uh the boom and five star and in some cases the double g show uh and we'll add them as as more people get comfortable doing video but that's all in the ten dollar tier so hope hopefully you enjoy the supercut jeremy finestone on the edit uh we will make some adjustments for future supercuts i think there's even better ways that we can we can do this so uh also stay tuned for later this week scotty wrestling and five star joshi's show in the free feed patreon.com front slash fight game media
1: but have to say that payback i will be honest and noting that it was like an extra episode of raw and smackdown that you would get free on usa and fox with the exception of two really strong matches that kind of pushed the show from all right to solid
2: yeah, this was, this was absolutely a, uh, a big, raw smackdown on steroids. But I, I will say, after the first match, I was like, man, we might be in for something special. Because I knew we were going to have at least a couple other good to great matches. Um, well, it didn't turn out that way. It wasn't a bad show. But yeah, this, this wasn't what it could have been, especially with the hot start we got off to.
1: No, not at all. And if you're watching, ladies and gentlemen, please feel free to interact in the chat on YouTube. Give us some great feedback regarding the show. Be interactive with us. We try to respond as we can during the broadcast. But I got to say, I had high hopes for this show after the first match, which blew away expectations. It was the final chapter between Becky Lynch, Trish Stratus inside of a steel cage. And the feud, I will admit, has overstayed his welcome in the last few weeks. But what a finale this was. Becky Lynch was exceptional. Trish Stratus, mother Ageless Wonder, my girl from way back when I've been ride or die for 23 freaking years on and off since my youth. And this woman at 48 years old delivered, dare I say, and I've seen them all just about the finest performance of her career. And what I love about Trish Scott is the fact that she's not afraid to take the hits, take the bumps. She's willing to get messed up, sell her ass off, put on a show and deliver. And I thought that she did an exceptional job with Becky as they just went balls to the walls, had that crowd on their feet, clapping, popping, chanting, this is awesome. They had them from start to finish, but my God, what a match. We'll get into the moves later, but your initial thoughts on this match and how it came together down the stretch.
2: Before I even talk about the match, let me just give—WWE has incredible production teams and quality because that video package that they played before the match made this feel like two generational talents, which they are, but it made it feel like the epic encounter that we ended up getting when in reality, in hindsight, we both watched Raw Weekly— it didn't feel like that leading up to it. And even the SummerSlam match and the matches they had it didn't feel like these epic encounters, but that video package, it really set the tone. And then they came out. I thought Trish looked incredible. Her ring gear, everything about the entrances was great. Them inside the steel cage. And you talk about Trish taking the bump. She took, some nasty bumps in this match from the top of the cage, multiple bumps from the top rope. Her head had a, a huge whelp one from getting smashed into the cage. Let me tell you, I I've been a, I mean I'm a Trish fan, but this match right here, anybody who slanders Trish Stratish, you, you you get you get the hands off top. No, no questions asked, you just get the hands because there will be no slander of her after this match. And I agree with you. This is Probably her her best outing she's ever had. This was an inc- one of the best WWE matches all year so far.
1: Oh, for sure. Like, I wish somebody would approach me and try to slander Mother Stratus. You're not going to do that. It- Okay? She has unlimited biscuits at Red Lobster at the table for life. Okay? You understand me? The rarest of exceptions at the table. That is mother. You will put respect on thy name. She mm-hmm. gave tribute to freaking Victoria with the Widow's Peak. Then, then Scott, did the hair move. The hair move then made the cover.
2: <laughs> she hit the mannerism. When she sat down, she hit the mannerism. I man, and shout out to Michael Cole for not only calling that, but then giving the call back to her and Lita being in the first cage match as well. Like, I thought Michael Cole during this match was fantastic. I thought he was very good. I thought he was spot on when he needed to be. And just little things like those calls right there. I thought it really added to the match.
1: It really did. And it reminded me those special matches that Trish and Victoria had back in 2002, the Chicago Street Fight. Those ladies went at it physically. They were ahead of their time in so many ways. I thought that was a lovely tribute. Like I said, the hair move like Trish, Queen. Then Becky comes through with a twist of fate in honor of Lita for that very same match. Like Michael Cole was on the ball with the history lessons. We had a super bulldog off the top rope by Trish to Becky for a near fall. We had a superplex from Becky to Trish in a crazy spot as well. I'm like, my God, this was such such An incredible match. The near falls were everything. I was living for the counters, the physicality, Trish's forehead, poor baby. (laughs) I know she's going to post on the gram like what she went through in this match. But it really came down to the one and only Zoe Stark trying to help her girl out in the clutch, trying to get her through this match or pulling her through the front door, but it was to no avail as Becky Lynch basically told her, get in the ring. I'm going to close this door. It's going to be two on one. I got you. She took care of businessman. A slam to Zoe Stark. And then Trish was trying to escape the cage a few times. And when she was hanging by her legs outside the cage, that was insane. I'm like, Trish girl, don't fall. Dear God (laughs) almighty. Do not fall. I mean,
2: she didn't have. She doesn't have to do any of this. She didn't have to do any of this. And I, you know, normally spots like that don't really work. But I thought they did a good job. Becky hit her hit hit the nice speed when she needed to. I, man, and you talk. You're talking about the bumps. Now she she took that. She took a superplex from the top of the cage. She took a man. I mean, like again, mad respect to Trish for coming back having this run, putting over not only I mean, like she's helped establish not only Becky Lynch as this generation's, you know, the, the the man of this generation essentially, but let's, I mean, let's not sleep on what she's done for Zoe Stark to just establish her with the masses and just kind of that that crowd that's maybe not as in tune with NXT and other things like that. So I I, I mean, we can't say enough about what she did in this match. It was incredible.
1: I mean, listen, Trish, the selling, she took the man to slam off the top rope for the win and then she got in Zoe Stark's face and told her, listen, you let me down, you failed the assignment get out of my face, get out of this cage and Zoe was trying to be the good person, be the bigger person but it was to no avail and then eventually, like the giver that Mother Stratus is, she took (laughs) <laughs> the flipping gts and then she sold it like a queen to get zoe over and i think her final adieu to us will be putting zoe over because trish stratus is mother always and shout out to L who says that trish becky match was an awesome one absolutely one of the better matches you'll see in wwe this year because my god they left no crumbs
2: yeah, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the Mother Stratus name that you just came up with sounds like a Captain Marvel villain. So <laughs> if we see that happening in the future, we know they heard it here on The Wrap. Um, Yeah, this, uh, again, one of the best matches. Ah, I'm, it, wasn't, it wasn't quite Rhea Charlotte. It wasn't quite that. I think it was definitely on that Bianca Asuka level from WrestleMania. I'm going to go a solid four and a half tiers.
1: I'm going to go there too. Four and a half tiers out of five. I thought this was an exceptional match. They had the crowd. I will say they had the crowd more so than Rhea and Charlotte in the beginning. They kind of came through WrestleMania down the stretch. But the body of this match, start to finish, was awesome. I tip my cap to both ladies. They should be proud of this match that they put together finally to wrap up this feud. And for Trish Stratus, this run, this match has shown me why I love her down forever because she really revolutionized women's wrestling. She was ahead of her time. There was no PR. There was no buzz. There were no buzzwords. She just went out there and did it alongside so many others, like Victoria, Jazz, Lita, Molly Holly, Gail Kim, Mickey James, to name a few, always innovating, always being ahead of the curve. And shout out to Fit freaking Finley, too, for just giving the ladies a chance, training them up, because he got ridiculed like, you can't train them how to wrestle. He did, and look at the results. 23 years later, Trish Mother Stratus doing what she needed to do against the man, Becky Lynch. This
3: was uh, this was the old, uh, you know, Saturday morning or late Friday night at 4 a.m. our time. Um, I woke up at I, I, I woke up at seven, which is pretty good for me, and uh, I actually caught up. I think when the main event started, I was I was actually caught up. I think maybe, um, uh, but uh, yeah, the main event was Max Holloway and the Korean Zombie, and this was a hell of a fight. Um, I saw you had posted that uh, this lived up to expectations, and I would agree. Um, just just a wild brawl. Holloway got the better of it, but korean zombie had his moments uh rocked holloway a couple times holloway just knocked him silly um at the end and and ended up finishing it and like you know i think zombie would never quit but you know the ref had had to step in um uh, 23 seconds into the third round just a crazy crazy fight awesome fight and uh and then zombie retired after the fight yeah, not a surprise about his retirement, but yeah, yeah. But yeah first two rounds were definitely Holloway. Holloway
4: had to drop the, the zombie in the second, nearly had him choked out, but kind of let go of it. He could have finished him in the second, and it almost seemed like the third started, and, and the zombie went into the third round with the idea of, let's just start throwing. Let's just start throwing in, and Holloway, <laughs> you know, if you're going to We've seen Max Holloway, especially yeah. at the end of fights, like like the Ricardo Lamas fights. If you would just want to stand there and trade inside the pocket, he is more than willing to, to engage. And they did that, and they swang, and they hit the shit out of each other. <laughs> and Holloway landed a beautiful punch that just dropped the zombie face first to the mat. And there's yeah. a there's a lot of there was a lot of face first to the mats on this show show yeah so.
3: and not all of them immediately resulted in a finish but um, yeah, but uh, it, but yeah face first to the mat and and you know just and then
4: and a great win for Holloway and then then you had Zombie retire which not a surprise you know there was a lot of talk coming in coming in and most people thought if you know most I'll put to you. Put to you I'm not the only one, but I expected that Holloway was going to win by finish. And then zombie was going to retire. This was the fight. he yeah. wanted, wanted, he gets to go out the way, way. And he talked a lot about the Volkanovsky fight after the Volkanovsky fight about retirement. And he flat out said, uh, he wants, he wants to be champion. And if he can't be the champion or a top three guy, then he just, he doesn't have the passion to continue on. And it's a, it's a shame. He, uh, He's not getting he's been in a lot of wars, thirty-six years old, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of injuries, and then and then the really shame the biggest shame probably of his career was that mandatory uh military service that they have yep. in South Korea because he did that right after he uh lost that first title fight to Jose Aldo and it took four years off of his career and and you know that's tough to come back from. Yeah, he came back from you know, and had that that went over Dennis Bermudez and his return. But ever since then, it's just been injuries after injuries after injury after injury, you know, really limited him to what one, two, four, five, eight, eight, fight, eight, eight fights, eight fights, eight fights over over what eight years. So, yeah.
3: And, uh, and, and you know, four and four in that time, uh, eight like,
4: fights over six years. But yeah,
3: know. four and four in that time, even though, you know, like he, he only fought, I think, what did you say? This is the seventh straight main event so eleventh eleventh okay, wow, so he's fighting you know nothing but top guys, and um yeah so the 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 eleventh straight main event goes back to before he was even uh his eleventh uh, main event total in his eleventh main event, okay yeah, his tenth straight, okay, yeah, so there you go um that that would be going back to before the title fight, yeah, Poye would would be the first the first one that's twenty twelve that's eleven years ago. So, you know, um he's had he had, you know, because of the military service, only ten fights in the last eleven years. Uh, or eleven fights in the last ten years, I should say, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, just uh but but you know, again, a great uh great career. Um you had uh you had in your notes here the you know favorite um uh, Max Hall or uh favorite well, we could do Max Holloway too, but favorite uh Korean zombie fights or moments. And for me, like I'm always going to think of the, uh, you know, just that crazy, amazing fight he had with Leonard Garcia at uh, WC48, the, um, the, the prelim, uh, that really, you know, is the one time, I think, where possibly a prelim fight really made a difference on, uh, you know, in terms of who would buy a pay-per-view. Um, you know, you you never know, but I know a lot that's what a lot of people said because this was on free TV and a lot of, a lot of people saw it and, uh, and it was just an an insane war fight of the year. Um, and he lost by split decision, but I think most people thought he won ended up winning the rematch, uh, the next year, um, by, by Twister with the first UFC, uh, Twister in history, which I'm sure would be on a lot of other people's, um, memories of him. Uh, what, what have you got? I
4: mean, obviously the Leonard Garcia fight, WC forty eight, that was an incredible fight, and, and then the Twister, Twister, his fight with Dustin Poirier was mm-hmm. absolutely incredible. So yeah, if you, and then uh, I remember I was down in Houston at his comeback fight against Dennis Bermudez, and nobody kind of knew what to what to expect from him because you know he had been out for you know three and a half years, years, and he comes out and just. And just knocks Bermudas out in the first round, first round, and just looked like the zombie of old, old. And it was incredible. And uh, really, my, I would say probably the highlight of his career came in December of 2019, going back to South Korea in the UFC in the main event, you know, fighting in South Korea for the first time in 11 years and knocking out Frankie Edgar in the first round. That was yeah. probably the probably the highlight of his career, right there, and just yeah, if that.
3: not the if not the Poirier fight, yeah. um, you know, or the seven second knockout of Mark Hominick at UFC One Forty.
4: Yeah, I think the Frankie Edgar fight is probably the highlight of his career, just because yeah. being in South Korea and
3: being yeah, and yeah. The one one we haven't mentioned is um, you know that was incredible as well, but not necessarily for him, but the uh, the 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 stoppage with one second left. Against yeah. Yara Rodriguez, where he just, where Jared Rodriguez threw an elbow, like a hail mary elbow, and knocked him out. I mean, Rodriguez probably winning that fight anyways, but uh, the fact that he knocked the zombie out with one second left was incredible. Like, I would have to assume the latest stoppage in in title fight history. Right? Not ty- it, was, it wasn't a title fight, but it was or yeah, so it probably definitely a non title fight for sure,
4: then. Yeah, um, well, was, one, I think there's been a there's been a couple of fights that ended with like one second to go in, in the fifth round. Yeah.
3: Not many. No, no, and and but but an incredible, incredible moment. Because it was one of those ones where as soon as it ends, you're like, you know, oh my god, I can't believe this, you know. Um and uh, yeah, and, and you know, it just didn't it had so many of these moments. Um and uh, and then the last big moment he had, you know, was was beating um, Dan Ige in uh, you know two years ago, which I think a lot of people probably thought was a bit of an upset. Um, and uh, and you know, it was a basically a coin flip fight, but he was he was a slight underdog going in. But yeah, just a great career. Never got the title, but you know he did have that one title shot. Two title shots. Or two title shots. Yeah, the first one against Jose Aldo, and then again against Alexander Volk- Volkanovsky last year. Um, and yeah, so that, that's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm sure for him too to be able to headline a card in Southeast Asia one more time and against a guy who a lot of people, you know, would, would, would be on the list of, you know, some people would say the best featherweight of all time, you know, probably definitely top three in Max Holloway and uh, Holloway is just basically now waiting for someone to beat Alexander Volkanovsky so he can get another title shot. Essentially. I mean, <laughs> Look at, I mean, look
4: at. If you look at the zombies, like his his UFC opponent list, I mean, it's it's the cream of the crop. Yeah, I mean, we started Leonard Garcia, Mark Hominick, Dustin Poirier, yeah. Jose Aldo, Dennis Bermudez, Yair Rodriguez, Hanano Moicano, Frankie Edgar, Brian Ortega, Dan Ige, Alexander Volkanovski, Max Holloway, like. Yeah, that's just that's an incredible resume right there. Whether you know whether he won or lost, it's just that's
3: probably insane. you know like they're all like top fifteen of all time. You know those those like in terms of featherweights, yeah. and and he fought them all. Yeah, yeah. Just, a, just an incredible career. I'm gonna go
4: on record, and I I know it wasn't a UFC fight, but the Leonard Garcia fight should be in the Hall of Fame.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I I mean they, that doesn't mean it's not eligible, right? Like they can. They could put it in if they want to. Yeah, I would think so.
4: I would think so. Yeah. But uh, I
3: mean, it definitely is. Like, Zombie needs
4: some recognition in that Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Fame fighter. See, I would uh, put it this way: if they said he was in the Hall of Fame, I don't think I'd argue. Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when people are to, when people are arguing that Donald Cerrone doesn't shouldn't be in it, well, they're idiots. Like that. Like that. Then, <laughs> if you're going to make that argument, then the Zombie shouldn't be in it, even though, like, like. One of the most popular fighters, one of the most exciting fighters ever. There's should be some recognition some somewhere if you had just a if you just had one of those wings. But like for like
3: exciting fighters, maybe they could do like an international resume, wing. Yeah. If they ever had an international wing, maybe he, he would be like yeah. I mean, you know, he'd be way I mean, up if there. If you had one of
4: those, if you had one of those, here's here's the wing of exciting fighters that aren't quite hall of famers. You know, that'd be a place for guys like him and Matt Brown and people like
5: that. You
3: know? so, if he was like a couple of years younger, yeah. he could be in that uh, BMF list too. you know, fighting yeah. all those guys, uh, you know, I'd have to a little on the smaller end of some of them, but um, certainly one of those guys that every time he fights, you know, you're getting an exciting fight. And I honestly can't think of a fight that he's had that didn't live up to the hype in some way. Yeah. No, um, there, he'd have, I don't think he had a bad fight. At all. No, no. I mean he had some short ones, but I mean they certainly weren't bad. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and anytime he lost, it was memorable. Yeah. Like there was no this is actually well, let me look back. Uh is this the quickest? No, okay. He lost to George Roop at 130 of the second round uh in uh, his in his second uh in his second WEC fight. But other than that, this, so this was the quickest loss he ever had in the UFC. And he was in the third round, um, so you know one of the toughest guys to put away too, really. Yeah, yeah. Um. Never lost a decision. I don't. Or no. I guess he lost to, Gar- to uh, Garcia. Obviously, not what I mentioned. But yeah. Um. Yeah. Most of his wins were by finish. No Ortega. Or he lost Ortega by decision. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Uh. But yeah, just an incredible fight. The CM Punk investigation.
6: Has come to an end, Kevin. It has. And so has. How'd that work out? Punk era.
5: Not so well for.
6: As it turns uh, out, he did not make all out 20, all in 2024. 20, uh, Who no. saw that coming?
5: Was there a bet on that?
6: Seems somebody like had a was. bet. Seems would he, like. Would it.
5: he be on the next all out?
6: <laughs> somebody. I mean, never out. honest to God, as much as, as much as Tony Khan loves him, that's not out of the question right now. No. We'll just have to wait a year. Anything, yeah. Absolutely. I'd, anything I think if there's happen. one
5: thing that's clear uh, this week, it's that Tony Khan does indeed love CM Punk. Yes, very because much. You can tell that this was a very painful thing for him to have yeah. to do. That finally he listened to Advice of Counsel, I think, and probably... Uh, who knows, maybe a possible revolt from the production staff or wrestlers or like, I think is probably this, a little bit of something both. he had to do, not something he wanted to do.
6: Apparently CM Punk attacked Tony Khan. As Dave Meltzer said, he reported, um, what was it, uh, lunged at lunged. him and, da- and Dave has said it was much, much more than that. Yes. And that he was being very kind yes. to CM Punk. So not only did he physically assault Jungle Boy, Jungleman, jungle the man. Jungleman. He has yes. the head of CM Punk on his mantle. He's the Jungleman now. Not That's only right. did we, he. We were uh, texting. Ass- yeah. Yeah. Not, Last not night only-
5: we were discussing the possibility of uh, commissioning a painting for Mel Coleman. Oh, my God. If we
6: all pool our money, everyone, the three of you. By the way, you three people in the chat, let us know who you are. Let us know where you're watching from, et cetera, et cetera in the comments right now i'd love to know who's here with us um yeah i think we definitely need to reach out to mel coleman i think we can make it a a group effort and acquire and it'll be a little like the stanley trophy it can stay at everyone's house one week out of the (laughs) year an
5: nft of it i uh (laughs) i i I, uh don't i won't confirm or deny whether or not i uh, went to a couple of ai image generators to see if they would accept the prompt (laughs) <laughs> Jungle Boy Jack Perry holding the severed head of CM Punk while drinking a glass of wine. Oh,
6: my God.
5: I was not successful because was, apparently there's something of AI not wanting to...
6: Perhaps he could be doing, doing that while sitting on a... People. Perhaps he could be doing that while sitting on a on a real glass table. Hey, Sam Shipman, how are you doing? Yay. I'm really disappointed that I am going to have to watch my language while talking about the firing of CM Punk. hmm I've realized I think AEW would be much better if they'd never hired him. And I'm dead serious. Now, maybe that's
5: a really good question. Okay. Yeah.
6: I think CM Punk has taken the air out of the room Mm -hmm. on so many wrestlers. Yeah. I think he's likely affected the careers of wrestlers he's not liked. And AEW in the past 12 months or the past 14 months or so has had two of their greatest events of all time All Out last year and all in this year are two of their greatest events. And we left both those events, not talking about them at all. Mm -hmm. Those, those, those huge moments in the, in both those pay-per-views got no traction because of CM Punk. Yeah, And it it was all we talked about for months and months when we could have been talking about all these wrestlers who are coming into their own, like Ricky Starks, like MJF. Um, There's so many, there's too many to name but we were all distracted by punk. Now I do think you couldn't have launched rampage without him. And clearly you couldn't have, you probably couldn't have gotten collision off the ground without him. And I'm sure there's going to be all this talk from all these CM punk loyalists about how collision fell off a cliff. As soon as CM punk got fired, which it's going to because everyone tonight, everyone next Saturday is going to be watching college football, college period. Football, right. Mm-hmm. I was watching all out tonight, all in. God, I can't even keep it straight. I was watching all out tonight and LSU Florida State, which yeah. was a bigger ass kicking <laughs> than, than Orange Cassidy got. So what happened at LSU? Yeah, yeah. So I'm a little, little steamed over that. Um, but I truly think he took so much away from so many different people, whether that was intentional or not. Mhm. I, I think AEW might be further along in developing the, their own stars which they clearly need to do and I think mm-hmm. they have done a good job but I think it could be it could be at a next level if it weren't for the signing of Cornelius Michael Punk.
5: <laughs> what? So let's look at what he did bring to the table. So like you mm-hmm. you mentioned he the of arriving, time of time arriving he brought in massive viewers for yes. Rampage when it started. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That was a short term thing. Ramsey's yes. became a C level, possibly even a D level show at this point. Mm-hmm. Theoretically, he was one of the anchors that got them Collision. Right. Don't know he- if they wouldn't have gotten Collision if he wasn't there or what, but clearly he was considered an asset for that. Right. Uh, they got good ratings for a while, but then in recent settled into episodes- more more. Down to earth what you would expect On a Saturday night wrestling show And are about Mm -hmm. to start getting their butt kicked Yes Who has let's see Creatively what did he bring to the table So he brought um, Some
6: good things that I hope they keep actually
5: He brought some good things I think his creative influence On Collision was really good Collision Mm -hmm. was my favorite show uh, Of the week He had my probably my second favorite feud Of all time Which uh, one was that Which was MJFC and Punk uh huh. Only behind Ric Flair and Terry Funk to me. Right. Uh, you know,
6: depending on the bidding war of twenty twenty four, maybe we get a resolution. Yeah, to that we we'll get a maybe we'll
5: get a rematch. But you know, the, I I thought that was a fantastic match, an all timer. I think it really elevated MJF. Would MJF have found some other way to be elevated if Punk wasn't there? Probably.
6: I think so. Um.
5: Uh, he brought. I, yeah. Go ahead.
6: Oh no, I was just gonna say. Um. I was just going to say that um, in recent weeks, it's uh, there's been reports that he's been unhappy because there've been a number of segments which have popped higher ratings than his segments. Yeah. Um, Either way, go ahead because we need to get to all all out pretty
5: soon. Uh, So that's what I've been trying to do is sort of like be what's the legacy? What what did he bring? And I think you know, I think in the wash, you're probably right. It it he hurt more than he helped overall because what he, what he brought to the table was a couple of things that no one else could have done mm-hmm. that probably they could have done without if they had to.
6: Yeah, or even perhaps they could have signed him to a couple of short-term deals, a couple of three or four match deals, and you could have avoided all this and gotten the good things out of CM Punk without having him as a weekly cancer in, in, inside the mm-hmm. locker room. My last thing I'll say is no one, in pro wrestling history, has ever literally single handedly split the locker room like CM Punk? He literally took them to another show and kept everyone else off that show. A literal split of the locker room.
5: Yeah. yeah. And it's really weird. I had this thought. I, I sent uh, Garrett a message tonight earlier. I just had mm-hmm. this thought and I didn't really want to post it publicly, but I'll go ahead and say it right here on YouTube. Oh, man. I, so tonight's show was kind of cathartic it felt like kind of almost joyous in a way that was like punk free it was still weird this weird thing where you have these chicago stars you know that are so so associated with punk because of the chicago thing but it was like this release almost it was like last night was collision like everyone was just sort of stunned and punch drunk basically Mm -hmm. tonight it was like you know what We love this company. We love this show. And you could almost feel the Chicago crowd, like, let it go and start to have fun and just, you know, kind of get it all out of their system. So it occurred to me what this feels like right now is uh, election night, or at least like the first week of, you know, when the election was over Mm -hmm. in 2020, not to get political, and Joe Biden won. Mm Mm-hmm. And the people that voted for Joe Biden were like, oh my gosh, he's finally out. We Mm -hmm. voted him out, right? Yep. The election's over, the guy's gone. Well, we still have a riot at the Capitol and a bunch of criminal investigations coming. Right. So that's what I feel like is going on with Punk. Is like, the election's over, the guy's been voted out, but I still feel like... There's this whole insurrection and, like, riots and, you know, all we'll the you know metaphor. A lot, here. lot on but Twitter. A lot on gonna Twitter. There's going to be a whole, be a whole mess X. to come. A whole mess to come.
6: I'm, I'm gonna sure gonna there get will really be. ugly.
5: I think it's going to get really ugly. We're going to be I'm talking sure about this two years.
6: I'm sure there'll be a lawsuit. There'll be a million things. Yeah. But tonight felt like a more, even though it, it felt like an old school AEW show is what yeah. it felt like. And that's what we needed right now. And I really enjoy it.
7: The culture that Tony Khan has set in this company, in some ways. Don't get me wrong. People are free and have agency and all that other stuff. Noted. But Jack Perry did that on the biggest show in this company's history and in wrestling history. Yeah, it was a pre-show. Yeah, it was on YouTube. In what world do you think that that's okay? especially? And look, here, here's where I get into the hierarchy a bit. Because there are guys who can get away with things like that, and there are guys who can't get away with things like that. And life's not fair. And there are people who can punch you backstage, and there are people who can't punch you backstage. And that's not fair either.
3: John re- Jones can take steroids and but, fight again. And most people can. Look, can't.
7: we don't want, we don't want a Vince environment, but we want an environment where there's a power structure that's respected. And the whole reason CM Punk is with this company is because a guy like Jack Perry main-evented the last pay-per-view and cracked the bed. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I get a little miffed at the, well, you know, if CM Punk weren't here, we'd all be work friends and we'd be able to get along. No, 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 no. Because there will be another Punk. I mean, well, I mean they'll be in an Andre and everybody will put it on them. And we are still, we are still suffering the effects of not punishing Hangman Page for doing the same thing that Jack Perry just yep. did. Yep. Exactly.
3: I'm glad you brought that up because you said something about fostering an environment where you think it's okay to do something like this. And to me, I'll go back to the Hangman comment. What makes Hangman think that he can say what he said? And get away with it. Well, the environment that's fostered there. The fact that Brian Danielson said a similar thing to CM Punk. Eddie Kingston said a similar thing to CM Punk on camera. Except apparently either those were okay or those guys are big enough stars that they could get away with it. And Hangman, at least in the eyes of CM Punk, isn't. So he respects Eddie Kingston on, to, on some level. He respects Brian Danielson. He doesn't respect Hangman. So when Hangman says the same thing, now Punk's got a problem with it. Meanwhile, or it was okay ahead of time and it wasn't okay for punk for Paige, but maybe Paige doesn't know that. You know, well, these guys look, look, are watching, they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Pa- well, Perry just thinks, oh, everyone's taking a shot at Punk. I'll do it too. Yeah, well, yeah. And oh yeah, I like I like the elite. So I'm gonna take a yeah. shot at Punk too. I'm Why elite. why can punk do a promo after burying hangman page saying you can't sell action figures, but I can't go on camera and say this because he's seeing punk and you're Jack Perry.
7: <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> yeah. and, no. And that's a good point. And, and, and yeah. from punk's perspective. Yeah. And here's where I have a little bit of sympathy for him. Punk came from that WWE system where people trembled in fear. If you pissed off Vince. And so his attitude is somewhat rebellious in that kind of environment. Here, where he wants structure so that he could be punk rock in this thing, there is no structure. This is a hippie artist community <laughs> type of thing where it's like, oh, what? what's the ending you'd like? What's the ending you'd like? Let's sit down and talk about it together and Let's flesh this it out, it out. Let's yeah. have everybody do whatever they want here. And and go over time, which has been a problem in shows, et cetera, et cetera. Let everybody get their stuff in and be happy. And Tony will be happy. And Tony and look, I boy, I am not the biggest effie fan in the world, but I love that video that's making the rounds right now about him saying that people are working a little bit towards star ratings as opposed to oh, emotional connection yeah. of match. And I was like, I was like praise. Jesus, because that's AEW. I like f I like, right
3: Effie. I like Effie. I, I, I I, I'm not I'm not
7: stuff. his biggest fan. i really am uh, not, but but I I understand the people who like him. I it's, it's I like it's what he a-
3: I like what he does and I, I like the tag team with um uh what's her name? Uh I know the team All- name All- is Ali Cat. Alley, Cash, is, yeah. okay, Alley right have, Cat Ali Cat. And then they have uh the other the third one, uh Dark Dark something. Somebody help me out here. Um, um kid? it's another uh Kid Bandit or no? No, no. I, I, don't know, I, I don't think know. she's. I think they've tagged up with her with them. Yeah. Too. Um, um, but, but, but no, um, what I wanted to say, I, I thought of something. Everybody loves Tony Khan, right? Great boss. Everybody loves him. Nobody loves Vince, right? No. Right. I mean, some people do, but for the most part, everybody doesn't, doesn't like Vince. Who do you think people respected more?
7: Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the thing yeah. is, is well, you know, people respect Tony without him being a jerk about it. Do they? I don't think so. Or do they know he's the guy with the bank book? I'm sure and some like, do.
3: Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's some. I,
7: I think. I think the level of respect is. I want to do a good match for Tony, so that wanna... Tony's happy and this company is successful.
3: Whereas but in WWE, just... it's like I want to do a good match because I don't want to get fired. Dark well, sheep. thank not, it's, you, it's, Anthony. It, no, it
7: it's not. It's not necessarily. I want to do a good match. It's. I need to do everything Vince has told me to do out there and to hit my time and to hit my angles and to hit my reaction here, et cetera, et cetera. Or Vince is going to chew my ass out when I come out through Gorilla. And And if there's any any shenanigans in the locker room, Vince is taking care of that crap real quick if guys in the back don't do it themselves. And I don't necessarily want wrestler court. But you're sitting around, you're going, where's the guy... That's getting these dopes in line, and it should be Punk in some ways. I think Punk's trying to do that. The problem is they don't
3: respect Punk either.
7: They're going to go to Mom because <laughs> yeah. Dad's being mean to them. That's it what it should, is.
3: Samoa Joe should be that guy. Like I don't know if he wants. I agree. To be, or John Moxley, um, Arn Anderson. Moxley. Well, I guess nah. Arn.
7: And see, I don't think they respect Arn because he's too old. Right. See,
3: I think yeah. they respect Mox. I think they respect Joe. Danielson for sure, I think that everybody probably respects, but I don't think Danielson's that guy. He just doesn't seem like But
7: you can't be but you also can't be that guy and be working with people. No. You can't be the enforcer. And then and then also I mean, they they, I had a job like that once. They made me manager, but they made me the guy to fire everybody. And then after and then after peak season they said you gotta go back and work with those people. I was like, Are you crazy?
8: This is typically how Tony will answer things that he does not want to answer. Just from my experience with him, um, being on media calls, being on being the person to ask questions, we all know about my experience asking him about the Thunder Rosa situation and how that how how that went. Uh, he was actually much more calm here. That was the first time he's ever he was very he was really rude to me uh, on that call about that. But this is typically and i know and on top of this tony was also dealing with the other things that had happened um you know backstage so on top like i'm trying to give him some grace but this is typically how he responds to questions relating to the whims division uh, and, or just questions he does not want to answer which i i can understand uh, he i expect answers like this from him now and t- typically like as i um i did get to ask him a question uh on the media call this week i was the one who asked about Russell dream i've seen a lot of people referencing it I, that was my question i asked him I about women being involved with Russell dream because uh, i, he, I was actually gonna to... i was gonna ask about athena but bruce uh or no bill pritchard went before i did and he was talking about mm-hmm. roh and so in that, he ended up answering my question about Athena. And so I was like trying to, I was like, I had a couple other questions and I was like, well, do I ask this? I was like, I know if I ask this, then I'm going to get just a generic answer. And I was like, but if I ask, so I went with the Wrestle Dream question because I knew I would get an actual response. Um, and so we'll get to, you know, that too. But I want to get, I clearly have my thoughts about this, but I'll let you, what, do you, what is your response to what Tony Khan said to Lyric? I
9: think it's great politics and great business. <laughs> I don't like the insinuation that he uh, can't, like it's the women, the women would slow down. I don't like the answer. I mean, there's kind of a, the women would have slowed the car down answer in there. That uh-huh. it had a very passive that was very passive aggressive. I know from... Hearing that there was something of an exodus to the bathroom during that match, which continues to be a problem, and it's like, is that because people don't like women's wrestling, or is it because women's wrestling isn't being booked
8: properly? I think there's yes, those the things, answer, but I, I also would say they've been trained that way because WWE has trained people to think women's matches are not important, that they are the bathroom break, they are. they are worthy of only three minutes. And I feel like that's a mindset that some people just cannot break out of no matter how good the wrestling is in front of them. And it also that mindset of how WWE has treated women in the past, I think emboldens people. Um, If you saw the day before there was a question where some fan asked Dixie Carter, I mean, uh, not Dixie uh, asked uh, Karen. Jarrett, who was better in bed, Kurt or Jeff Jarrett, and they mm. asked it in front of Jeff Jarrett. That's rude and none of your business. It, yes, and he's younger, probably, probably late. I mean, I guess, but wrestling. I feel but. like some of that is Whatever. because it's ingrained in their brain that they can treat women. This they think of women in wrestling as these objects, as these things that they can act like who the hell would ask something like that in a normal basis. And I'm not blaming all of WWE, but I feel like sometimes that is ingrained in them because they were ingrained to treat women. You, they were in bra and panty matches. They were in mud cello matches. They were, the, you know, and all of these things. They were given three minutes. They were in, they were regular, they were in scantily clad clothes all the time. And so I think for some people, that's ingrained in them to think that's okay so now it's also ingrained oh this is a women's match time to go to the bathroom time to get my snacks and obviously in a pay-per-view where you have things happening like the one thing about wwe is they have like their eight minute packages in between so that gives you a little leeway all out and AEW is just boom 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 right into the next thing and so you could be in line in a different match and still miss a women's match because of that but all sure. right so there is a lot of factors, but sometimes I think for, for some fans, that is in their mindset because WWE trained them for 30 years that women are not important and well, women's masculine don't matter. Did
9: something that, um, WWE did this with Ronda Rousey when they brought her in. So there was all these, they had, they had actually boomed storylines that they had built. Yeah. together they to, had a whole bunch, bunch of stories. And made it look like they but, Yeah, but, but regardless, but they had a whole thing going on where they had a whole stream of stories. And then mm-hmm. it was like, okay, well, Ronda Rousey needs to be written in here. So we're going to write a really rushed thing and we're going to put her in here and she's going to win the belt. And everything that we've done for the past year doesn't matter at all. It's completely right. irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, regardless of how you feel about how the women have been booked up to this point, up to this point, Soraya has not been someone who has been in that level of contention for the belt. And they did this match to get the belt on Soraya in the UK. And that's fine. I get it. If you're doing a feature match and everything else. Right. But why should I care about this match? Because right. it, Disregards a lot of storytelling what good or bad it disregards a lot of the storytelling you've been telling. Right, I know there's the Tony turned on her thing, and then for once and for all they're broken up. But it wasn't there. But they're not broken up. But it was very much about that match was there to put the belt on a British wrestler. Right, exactly. Specifically,
8: they that, were given they were given her the feel good moment because she missed great. five years. she missed five years so they and they we've talked about it a few times once the match was made we knew the reason the belt was put on Sheeta was because she could Saria couldn't beat Tony for the title so they had to make Sheeta a transitional champion I think it's bullshit I think that I think putting it on Saria is the wrong decision for multiple reasons I get that they were doing it for the moment but I think it was the wrong choice you can't set people up for
9: failure and then say well we tried it and they failed Right, which is what they keep doing. Well, you tried it, but you did it at a time when, like, especially with the last, like, what, three or four weeks where it's like, okay, we're going to have all women's main events. And then we're going to, like, show you that the show falls off when the women are. And maybe that's legitimate,
8: and maybe there's something to it. Or maybe it's just that you're. I mean it's, it's so... a lot of re- we've talked about this a lot too. It's a lot of reactionary booking. Um putting her putting the main just doing the main events to do the main events to so be like, here, shut up now. What else are you gonna complain well, about? If I'm you don't want you women
9: want. on your product, don't have women on your product. Or if you don't want them on AEW, just put them on ROH or but don't like <laughs> Hey, I'm a, it's one of my favorite things that I've been saying since 2016 is don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining <laughs> I, yeah, it's right. it's an old one and it makes the yeah. hat look silly now <laughs> see this hat is multifunctional but that's there you go. where I'm at with it it was yeah. very all he did was regurgitate Willow's mm-hmm. wor- or I'm sorry I keep doing that uh it lyrics works. words to her and he was essentially like and you said it and you didn't he did that's a classic like i went to school for politics and journalism oh it's definitely a classic and, yeah and and i've done that again like a couple years i've been, years, I've been it, like in business mode many it's times. Like,
8: that's how he answers perfect questions he answer. politicking mm-hmm. no it's exactly what that is but it doesn't tell me anything about where you stand mm-hmm. he was dodging the question as somebody mentioned and like when I because I went back to the thread that I wrote about it, because I was like, man, I was like, of course, this had to happen after we've had a show. And by the time we get to this, it's already going to be a week. Like I was like, I want to talk about this now. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> so, matter. Yeah. I was heated, just because <clears throat> it feels like so to give a little bit of context with with the night that this happened there, the one eight minute and 44 second match. NWA 75. NWA is a train wreck. <laughs> they had two the same night as as all in they had two women's title matches they the women main evented the first night because uh wa 75 was two nights they main evented camille defended her title again and she got the main event spot every and of course i knew the women were not going to main event all all in i was not asking for that but We've talked about it before. AEW is still the only company who has not had women main event a pay-per-view. ROH only main at a pay-per-view because Mark Briscoe got injured. And then the fans had to beg Tony to put Athena and Willow in the spot that they earned. So we only got it because we complained enough about it. They were like, fine. And then it was a whole mess. They didn't say it was the main event. They said it was going to be Claudio. And then they were like, now, then halfway through the show, they're like, it's a double main event. Then they were like, well, the women are closing. So it was like pulling teeth just to get them to even the weird, And
9: it was still a weird bait and switch that they ended up. I mean, yeah, I still, we, I mean, whatever. I mean, that's, to me, that still felt like a weird bait and switch. That's right. my and, personal opinion. I'm, I'm yeah. saying they were, Tony was out to get me.
8: But in my opinion, that is classic. I mean, yeah they did they promoted that pay-per-view just, as, as audio main eventing to get people to buy the pay-per-view because they didn't think that telling people that athena was paper was main eventing would sell pay-per-views when i know for a fact that one of my friends did not buy that pay-per-view because he thought athena was not main eventing and then because he was told by roh that claudio was main eventing and not athena and so he did not buy the pay-per-view <laughs> And then so they did they didn't think athena could sell pay-per-view so they said it was claudio and then as the show was going they were like oh it's gonna be athena
10: Like well, it's simple how are you joining the five-star grand prix so far I mean, it's hard not to be enjoying the five-star Grand Prix right now, right? Like, it's been a... Yeah. We're, we're coming into the tournament, we're expecting great things. Like, we're hyping it up. Oh, this is going to be an amazing tournament. It's going to blow the uh, G1 out of the water and all of that jazz. We're hyping it up. But now that we're actually in the crux of it, like, we're pretty much at the halfway mark. Well, we are at the halfway mark as of recording this. There's not really much to complain about, is there? Like, it's been a really good tournament. Even the weaker nights generally has one or two things that you can take out of and go, even if I wasn't completely enthralled by this happened or that happened. And you can't say that about a tournament that's going for over two months and not be impressed. Yeah.
11: Yeah. It's been, um, it's been overall fantastic. I've seen some people call it an all time tournament and we still have a month to go. Mm. So I'll hold, I'll hold my comments until then, but we're on a good pace for this to be one of, if not the best, five stars and that's without 사이카운 mind you. Yeah. You know, that's the crazier part. That's like that was like nine great matches just automatically taken out and if rumors to be believed, 10 great matches on her behalf taken mm. out. Uh but we have a lot to talk about. We're going to we're going to do update on the Five Star Grand Prix. Had two shows this past weekend. Um this upcoming weekend they have two shows including the Five Star special in Hiroshima which is w- undoubtedly one of the most stacked cards of the year just because they can yeah. um we're gonna also talk the sendai girls big show in nagata pay-per-view which is featuring one stardom talent one kind of half stardom talent i don't really know what to call kairi these days and WWE uh, so, talent. Yeah, that's true that's true until she steps into that door i'm not calling her wwe talent though that sounds like a crime uh for me for me personally but i'm happy for her happy for her. Uh I hope uh I hope she has as much success as EO is having right now. I hope her dreams of being
10: a book by Triple H actually come true. I do too. I do too. Um
11: you know, I mean he treated her well once upon a time in NXT, so I understand where she's coming from. She'll she'll do fine. But we're going to kick off our show with Seedling. And I was going so I had one guest set for this show. Uh things changed. Um so thankfully Trent has come on i will have that guest hopefully next week which is a just as packed show with all the pay-per-view stuff so won't be uh too much of a miss but the reason they wanted to come on was for this one match and that match was a recent nakajima defending the beyond the sea championship against sari Saree, of course uh has just been phenomenal since walking back into our lives and leaving the uh schoolgirl outfit and whatever wwe else planned for her behind and somehow it's it got better like this this past friday it just got better and i i, I saw the match you know i saw the building and i was like oh it's gonna be great obviously i saw the preview tags they had two great great preview tags including the main event of serism chapter two um but this this match somehow still managed to e- exceed my expectations so much so that I said to multiple people and Trent, this might shock you, that Serey might be my favorite wrestler going right now, not Naomi, not name hold on, I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding. Only because I like, I look forward to every single match she has, mm-hmm. and this match I was like, this like she might be the best of the she's absolutely the best wrestler to ever walk out of wwe like it just and what i mean by that is she had very limited rust yeah and i know people will be like well she didn't really wrestle that much but she was there for two years that's how you build rust right like that's still a lot of rust and like she is now undoubtedly one of my favorite wrestlers to watch and i think she's pretty much everyone's if you're able to witness what she's doing um she's very determined by the sleep i knew you were gonna attack me on that but it's okay
10: I, hey hey i'm just i know how much of a fan you are of Mayu Watani. and well, what yeah, you're saying to me is better than me i always on your list i always have to i
11: always have to like clear that up it's like okay after Mayu. like i just kind of like if you know me i think we could all just accept my here and then it's everyone else but like I love watching Suri big matches, and she's having a lot right now. So that's a lot of fun. But let's talk about the match itself. Uh, Arisa Nakajima came into this match as a dominant champion after winning the title back from Haroyo Matsumoto at the end of 2022. Um, and heading into this match, I, didn't, I wasn't fully convinced Suri was going to win for sure, mostly because she had just won the preview tag previously that they had with the most recent one they've had two they've had two different preview techs they have one in seedling then one at serism um but with getting that win and you know Suri hasn't really booked herself to be like this all dominant strong wrestler as she should she could easily do that i don't think anyone bat an eye but she's been very willing to lose here and there so i wasn't I wasn't like, oh, she's winning, no doubt, we move on. You know, because I think a lot of us also are thinking, well, there's going to be a time somewhere down the line where we do see her in a stardom ring, hopefully against Mayu Yutani. You know, that's the big what-if match that has a graphic and all, but we never got it. Um, But she did. She did capture the win here in one of my favorite matches of the year. It was violent. It was physical. The final 10 minutes of this match are some of my favorite like 10 minutes of the year. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of great wrestling this year. Mm. You know, it, not just in Joshi. Uh but like this match for me, in terms of Joshi, it's like just the Steel Cage match probably ahead of it right now. And that's because the Steel Cage match if you have that connection like I did and like yourself. It's a different level, but if you're looking for just a pure pro wrestling Joshi match, I don't think it gets much better than this this year.
10: Yeah, this is very much the prototypical. If you are describing Joshi wrestling to someone, this match kind of fits the bill. Like it's it's not overly theatrical and flourishy. It's just a very basic story, but it's a basic story that's told extremely well by two Let's be honest, two veterans in the industry, even though Suri is still very young, um, who just know how to pace a match to execute all the high spots well and just weave everything together. You know, you start off nice and slow, sort of finding each other's grooves. You've got Suri doing some great arm work on Arisa Nakajima. You've got those brutal double stomps on oh. from the top rope to the apron, then top rope down to the to the floor and then it just kind of, every now and again, they just kind of stop and do the strong style stuff, stuff, building up into those 10 minutes that you talk about. There's so much to digest here that's just done brilliantly. Like, you can come in and not know Suri and not know Arisa Nakajima, and you're just going to walk away with two new favorites. And if you yeah. know Reese and you know Suri, it just kind of confirms that.
11: Yeah, I, I I've seen some people prior to this match kind of like, They thought 3 wasn't fully back to form, and I was like, okay, sure. If you left this match thinking anything besides her being back to form, you just might not want to watch Joshi. At that point, it's like, I don't know what you're looking for, because... Like the excitement of her, you know, because in those final few minutes—not even the ten minutes—where you know she was hitting all the suplexes and just going and going, and then Risa is able to turn around. You just like I've seen enough Risa Nakajima matches to know, oh, this, ah, uh, it's over, damn it, like, <laughs> God goddamn. And then Sari, it's another one, another headbutt. She's just like, mm-hmm. all right, that's enough, and then gets the win. Um, like you said prototypical joshi type match that if you hear joshi and, and you've seen it explained or you've watched old joshi this is very up to that par. it's very it's everything i think you want out of the joshi independence especially these days um and what sari is doing right now since coming back it's musty Yeah, to me, her appearing on AEW kind of eased any thoughts of her ever going back or at least anytime soon for me. Mm-hmm. Cause like I think like and I, I said this earlier, but she has so many things she still wants to do, right? She wants to have that Tokyo Dome match. She's going to have that Tokyo Dome match. I'm like willing to put money on that. If I'm not I don't, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I would put money on her being at Wrestle Kingdom and wrestling. Um they're setting up that match with Julia. Obviously, oh, like that is that is I think that's as locked in as any match could be for someone <laughs> that hasn't wrestled in months. Um, and I think this is just good news. Now, I said this and I'll say it again. If you're bringing in Mercedes Monet into your product, if you're a AEW, everything has to change because you are paying her top money. She's not going to be the top, just the top paid woman in the women's division. No, she's going to be top five in the company if you're bringing her in in any form. So you're going to have to give her the time to tell whatever story she's going to tell. We know, or we've at least heard rumors that her match at forbidden door was supposed to be with Soraya. Who is the current AEW women's world champion Soraya. It's starting to click in my head of why Mercedes may be uh, coming in sooner than not. I mean, Tony Khan just said that he would like to have Mercedes Monet on this wrestle dream antonio noki show that Mm -hmm. they're doing well it says tribute to antonio noki i don't know if it's really an antonio noki show it's a
12: little Um, puzzling it's a little we'll talk about that
11: in a minute yeah, yeah, because it's uh I, I can't imagine everything working out for him on that show or anything. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about that like you said. So,
12: yeah well, it's not like anything goes wrong at AEW shows anyway, but the uh we did have all in on Sunday. It was very very impressive. 81,035 paid. It looks like that is a real number and it would be an all-time paid attendance uh record. The only shows uh, would uh that would that would beat it would be those uh, North Korean shows where people were literally ordered to attend, and it wasn't paid attendance yeah. uh, but eighty one thousand thirty five they put in that building and one of the featured matches it was a new Japan talent for now uh, and it was <laughs> will Osprey who faced and defeated Chris Jericho now you know the the thing about this is you know will had a busy weekend he was going through. A couple of different uh, shows, uh, Rev Pro uh, the night before, which we're going to talk about that show because it featured a lot of New Japan talent and this one in front of 81,000, they put him over. And I mentioned when Power Bombshells were doing the preview of it, that it's a heck of a way to woo a guy that you're interested in signing is putting him over on one of the biggest shows of the year over one of your biggest stars. He has all but said he is leaving. He hasn't said it officially, but all indications are that he is headed to AEW when his contract with New Japan runs out at the end of the year. And there are other signs that things are aligning in this direction. You mentioned Wrestle Dream, a new AEW pay-per-view that is taking place October 1st against all logic and reason. And I say that because, first of all, it's sun- the Sunday night football game that night I believe, is the Jets and the Chiefs. So you have Aaron Rodgers Aaron in his new home with the Jets taking on the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. So you basically have a world heavyweight title fight there uh, in the NFL. That's going on the night they're doing this. They are calling it a tribute to Antonio Inoki, which might just be the coincidence that it's October 1st and Inoki passed away a year ago on October 1st. But, of course, as soon as he says that, the speculation begins that there's going to be a heavy Japanese presence on this show. Except...
11: He, he, I was going to say, he didn't help that today in the no. media call. He pretty much said
12: he hopes that there is. Well, that would be lovely, except uh, it, temper your expectations on that. And I, I'm speaking to anybody who thinks that that's going to happen because there are shows booked for October 1st. New Japan has uh, a, a show that has the complete card listed and Tony likes to use who? Tomohiro Ishii, Suzuki, Tanahashi, all of them are booked. Uh, let's see, who else is it? Uh, Shingo Takagi, Suji, Shota Umino, Naito, uh, Hiromu, Okada, all of just five guys, all of Bullet Club. There are three people who are of consequence who aren't on the card for October 1st. It's Will Osprey and Bishamo, Yoshihashi and uh, Hiroki Goto. Osprey is on the early Road to Destruction tour, and then he does he has a match at Destruction in Kobe. Then he's not on the House Show tour leading up to Destruction in Rio Goku. There are other members of the United Empire on that tour, but after Kobe, Will kind of drops off the lineups for a little while. It seems probable to me that he will be at Wrestle Dream. Uh, that seems like too much of a coincidence that he's not. I don't know about Bishamon. They, they've had. Yoshihashi and Goto on AEW shows before, but again, nothing announced yet. Those are really the only three of any consequence, Scott, that are that aren't booked that day. And you were saying, as far as the female presence goes, Stardom has a show that day too, right?
11: Stardom not only has a show that day in Cork and Hall, the same location that New Japan has their show that day, yeah. but they have the Five Star Grand Prix Finals twenty-four hours before.
12: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, I mean, who? So. Again, we're talking people of consequence that aren't in the five star. There are a few because Stardom's roster is so deep. But you tweeted out a picture of Tekla earlier. If you, is that would be if, if someone's going to go from Stardom and be on this show somewhere in some form, yeah. uh, even if it's just maybe face an AEW star like Athena or something like that and lose, mm-hmm. or uh, but or Statlander or something, uh, Tekla would probably be a, a, a choice. Who's somebody that they could spare for the night.
11: That would be my top choice. um I think it makes the most sense in terms of someone who not only speaks English and can kind of build that match a little bit, you know just by sending in a promo uh but she's obviously very talented and she's not part of the tournament, so you know you don't have to worry about that. I saw some people be like, well, Sue Suzuki, technically, you know her match is cancelled on the Jeep on the tournament night because of Sayaka Amitani. but that doesn't matter because she's still gonna be in contention probably on that night. So you're gonna have her in on location. And it it to me, it's just it doesn't work out. And I feel like sometimes Tony says these things without actually knowing, um, which is a problem. It's a problem because I think people's hopes get up. That's why he said I'd like to have Mercedes Moray, because she checks both boxes and so we can just, you know, move on, right? Um, I just want to say on Osprey. You know, before we kind of move away from that, I'm not saying it's contract tampering, but the nicest thing I've ever seen someone do for a person that doesn't work for their company is give them a premier singles match in an 80,000 fan arena in their home country and a win. That's probably the nicest thing I've ever seen happen. So uh, I'm not saying it's tampering. But it's, uh, it's a very, 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 very nice gesture ahead of uh, his free agency. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to MJF versus Will Ospreay and, uh, at uh, Revolution or <laughs> something because I, uh, I can't imagine him uh, staying just because I think they're going to they're gonna br- get the Brink struck. They're going to get another Brink struck, and then be like, hey, you want this? Here you go. <laughs> and I can't I- imagine him
0: saying no. <laughs> so so what are we going to do here? I, I had this idea and I knew Jeff would have been very aware of the time period from his wrestling fandom. Uh All Out uh is this coming weekend, All In just happened, and Tony Khan decided to use Dynamite and Collision as a bridge one show each as a bridge between two pay-per-views. And this hadn't been done in quite a long time. I I want to say WWE has done pay-per-views 2 weeks apart in, you yes. know, in in the 2010s time frame is my guess. Uh, but not a week apart. UFC had I think 2 weeks apart. They may have done a week apart at one point, you know, just cuz of scheduling or whatever. But in pro wrestling, this hasn't happened uh, in, on a big scale since 1991. Survivor Series and This Tuesday in Texas. And so I kind of want to go back, uh, just go back to that time, talk about why they did it, talk about why they hadn't done it since. And based off of everything that we've heard from Tony, it sounds like the, he wants this desperately to be tradition. He wants to run Wembley every year, and then the following week, which is labor day he wants to run all out because that has been their their date for all out has been that labor day weekend jeff I, you're you're showing uh, a f- facial dismay about this idea and and i gather some of it is frustration from uh what you saw on dynamite as the bridge to all out
7: yes uh. <laughs> <laughs> um as I said on Dynamite this week, Tony's gonna need fifteen stories yeah. in order to do this. And we've barely been able to have a pay-per-view with four stories or angles that have really, because his thing is booking great matches and then uh and then two weeks beforehand, oh yeah, we're having a pay-per-view. Better yeah. better build this a bit. And I'm I am actually gonna be very interested in how Chicago's business does. Mm-hmm especially after next year because this used to be a travel show yep this second one and it ain't gonna be a travel show no more i don't think i think people might go for the wembley show if they if given the choice and and the disposable income but tony runs chicago a lot as well and i'm wondering if those later shows like say thanksgiving week which he always runs on that time i'm wondering if those houses start to see a noticeable decline after this but yeah
0: so, his history would tell us that that's kind of how wrestling works in general. It the AEW's fan base, as far as pay per views are concerned, seem to be very loyal. Now, the house shows are definitely down, and by house shows, I mean the TV. They don't actually run non TV house shows, but yeah, those shows are struggling. Like, uh, what did Dynamite do on Wednesday? Did they do 5,000 in that, uh, the old, uh, the old building that
7: they, that they used to run All In and All Out in? Oh, the one at the uh, in Suburban, in the yeah. Burr. That's a yeah. travel crowd. I think it was, like, set up for six.
0: Okay. So I, I was talking to somebody yesterday who is going to All Out, and he said that he thought it was, like, four or five that was okay. actually there. So, And, you know, we didn't really get any punk chants from what I remember. Like, I, the, the crowd wasn't really into anything, but this I This is remember.
7: the travel crowd, mostly, though, also, that goes to this show. Th- this show. Specifically, the Chicago people generally wait till it's in town.
2: That's the crowd I want to see. I I can't wait to see the reaction to some of that. That'll be yeah, it's going to be that'll be interesting Sunday to see if they react. Well,
0: and who knows? Maybe Punk's actually going to end up on that show. We we don't know yet.
7: Yes, the investigation might be wrapped up by then.
0: I I swear to you. Conveniently. <laughs> I'm not I am not I'm not trying to uh re- you know, do revisionist history yet or here, but on Sunday when all that stuff happened, and Tony Khan made that statement at the press conference, I was like, somebody needs to call him on his BS. He was there.
7: Yeah, it happened in front of him, but uh front of mine, actually had a good point. He goes, lawyers, lawyers are probably involved. Somehow. Uh, I'm sure, but...
0: I would, you know, not that I would if I, I, I don't want to go to those shows. And, and I'm not even really dissing anybody for not saying that. But that was the, like my BS meter just went up. Yeah, I was like, he's there. He saw it. He had to have talked to all parties. So this investigation, whatever it is, like he's the first witness on the scene. Like his, can, you know, his, he, his word means the most in this entire thing.
7: Can I throw another theory out there? Okay. That the investigation is merely a delay tactic to say that the, neither one of them are on the pay per view, or well,
0: what if they are?
7: Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It it, it, fe- it also felt like to me. It, it's like, well, I don't really want to come down hard on anybody, and you know what? I'm going to have an investigation. I'm going to get. I'm going to hear what people have to say about this, and then then I'll lightly tap somebody on the wrist. That's what this feels like. To you know. Me. You feels- know. What-
0: what happens in in cases like this is, you know, you think AEW and WWE have these tribal fan bases. You split locker rooms with stuff like this. Yes. You have a team who's against Punk, and then you have a team who's got his back because you know they they're friends with him or whatever. And that that is the part that I'm a little worried about as far as that locker room is concerned is is how how that how split it really is.
7: Yeah, and I'll let Scott get in here as well, but it's one of those things where I'm just like, Well, the locker room has to listen to somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, you know, if if it was a strong hand at the top, who cares if the locker room split? Because what the guy up top says goes. Okay, I agree with you, but
0: it was only what three years ago where Tony was getting lauded by this same wrestling media crowd for being the nicest boss in comparison to Vince McMahon in wrestling. Oh, Tony is actually taking the other side. And so I feel like that's still the same Tony, uh, but people are taking advantage of that, uh, I I believe. And yeah, I mean, he, he, he will need to put his foot down. But at the same time, when he is the single most important person in that company, when it comes to marketing, when it comes to PR... When it comes to all of the information that is out there, if he shows any negativity towards a performer, that stuff goes far with the wrestling media. So it's tricky. It's really tricky for him. He needs Jim Ross as a bad guy so he could be the good guy, right? That's how Vince did it.